So between the gospel and epistle reading today, we see 11 references to faith. Either the word itself explicitly or some act performed in faith. We hear and use that word all the time in church and just in standard vernacular. Um, We keep the faith. We take leaps of faith. We behave in good faith. Uh, But how often do we intentionally consider what that word means? Sit down and define the word and look at the Bible to see how the Bible instructs our faith. What does the Bible say about faith and how we put it into practice? So today, we're going to define the word uh, using James and Mark to help us understand uh, faith in practice. Before I define the word, I want to clarify that Christian faith is not blind faith. Unrooted faith. Our faith has its foundation in historical accounts. We read the Old Testament. We see stories about God's creation, his people, and the way that he pulls a broken people back to himself. We read prophecies about a king and a savior to come. And then in the New Testament, we learn about Jesus who fulfills these prophecies. This incredible man who spoke with authority and performed miracles before dying on a cross and being resurrected three days later. Thousands of people met Jesus. There are countless written accounts about this man inside and outside of the Bible. Our faith is rooted in this knowledge. Faith is not the opposite of knowledge. Do not be tricked on this point. Our faith has a foundation in rational thought about historic events. Now set that aside. (laughs) All right, let's take a shot at defining faith. Merriam-Webster has a handful of definitions, to be fair. The one that's most applicable to our context is belief and trust in and loyalty to God. Belief and trust in and loyalty to God. So we're all done. (laughs) If it were only that simple. Words are interesting things, and a dictionary definition is often not sufficient, particularly when we're talking about a word in the Bible, because we have to try to understand what that writer meant when they wrote those words in their language, which was not English, it was Greek, and in their context. So we'll dig around a little further. Hebrews 11.1 is one of the few places in the Bible where faith is explicitly defined. It says, faith is, and then says something. So you'll have to forgive the rabbit hole for a minute. If you have your Bible, we are going to spend a little bit of time in Hebrews 11, starting with verse 1. From the ESV. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Assurance and conviction. So faith is similar to belief, right? We have a conviction. That's a mental state where we have our mind made up. We have a strong belief. Assurance is a security or a confidence about something. Again, this is a mental state, a mental condition where we have considered a topic, we feel affirmed in our belief. But that's not all that faith is. In the King James Version, we see this a bit differently. 
Anybody have the King James Version with them? <laughs> I didn't think so. <clears throat> I still had one around the house. Hebrews 11.1 1 from the King James. Now faith is the substance or reality, depending again on, on the version, of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Now faith is the substance or reality of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Substance and evidence are different than assurance and conviction. They are different things. Substance and evidence are tangible things, not just mental things. You understand the difference? All right, so first of all, why the difference? Um, Greek words don't always have a direct English um, counterpart. So I'm sure there's a Greek word for shoe. And we can go English to Greek about shoe pretty easily. But when the idea is more complex or it's an emotion, it's harder. There's just not a one-to-one. So these translators over generations, by the grace of God, have worked hard to understand the usage of these words in the Greek and their historical context. And then they try to understand the context of this scripture, and they do their best. And sometimes you end up with two different lenses at the same verse. The great thing here is I think these two lenses are really beneficial, not detrimental. They're not contradictory. They're just different looks at the same bit of scripture. As I said a moment ago, substance and evidence are tangible things. Those are glimpses at a reality of things to come, things hoped for but not yet seen. So how do you get those glimpses? We get those glimpses because faith is tied directly to action. And in our actions, we have experiences that reveal these glimpses to us. Immediately after that definition in Hebrews 11.1, the author gives us examples of faith as a hint. So starting in verse 4, By faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, through which he was commended as righteous. By faith, Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death, and he was not found because God had taken him. Now before he was taken, he was commended as having pleased God. So Enoch behaved in a way that pleased God, and so he was taken up. By faith, Noah, being warned by God concerning events yet unseen, in reverent fear, constructed an ark for the saving of his household. By faith... Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. Do you see this? All these people had faith, and then in faith, they behaved in a way that was consistent with that faith. So faith starts with that mental place where we have assurance and conviction about our belief. Even if that amount of faith is minuscule, it's there. We have heard the story of Jesus. We believe it to be true. From there, we take actions that are consistent with those beliefs. And in doing so, we receive glimpses, that substance and evidence from the King James of what is unseen and yet to come. By behaving in a way that reflects our belief, that is honest to our belief, we get to experience a bit of the new creation in our own time. So my definition of faith is that faith is belief in action that draws us nearer to God. 
I ran that by Kevin. I don't just go defining terms on my own. <laughs> Here's an analogy to tie this together. I do not like the summer at all. It's great that kids are out. That's all cool. I hate the heat and humidity, and it gets worse as I get older. The flip side of that is I love fall. I cannot wait for fall. The cool temperatures, it's football season, it's hunting season, the leaves change, everything about it is great. So this week, well, the problem is we're not there yet. It's not fall yet. This week, we had some cool mornings, and I could not wait to dig through the drawers to find a flannel or a jacket or something to wear, not because I really needed it, but I just wanted to participate in it just for that morning, even though I knew, like today, it's going to be 85. So I have faith that fall is coming. I act in a way that is congruent with that, and in that act, as silly as this analogy is, I get to experience that even for just a second. And summer still sucks. I don't care what you say. <laughs> All right, if you have your Bible, I'm finally going to get to today's readings. So James 2, and we're just going to go right to the hard part, 14 to 18. So people have been fighting about this passage for hundreds of years. Luther did not like this gospel at all. Um, so we'll just read it. Starting in verse 14, what good is it, my brothers? Now let me step back a sec. So we have to hold the idea that we just talked through in our head for a second. Faith is belief in action that draws us nearer to God. Keep that in mind as we read this. What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to him, go in peace, be warmed and filled, without giving him the things needed for the body, what good is that? So also, faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. Faith is coupled to action. This is not about works-based salvation. It's just the nature of faith. God's grace and our belief in him lead us to actions that bring us closer to God. He has touched your life, and as such, you're going to behave differently. It's just the way it is. It's a great thing. In doing so, we also benefit the people around us, and that's what James is talking about here. So if you believe that God has shown you great mercy, then you should show mercy to those less fortunate. If you believe you've been forgiven more than you deserve, then forgive your brother. If you believe that God has been patient with you in your failings, be patient with your kids. I'm reading that one to myself. As a result of behaving in a way that fits your beliefs, you will have experiences that preview the kingdom, probably because Jesus is present when people need mercy and forgiveness and patience. <clears throat> now we'll go to the gospel reading in Mark. So if you've got your Bibles, go to Mark 9. All right, so in Mark 9, there's a bit of a dust-up, and a father comes to Jesus and says, 
that his son has a spirit that makes him mute and gives him seizures. He's asked the disciples to cast it out, but they weren't successful. So starting in verse 19, And he answered them, O faithless generation, how long am I to be with you? How long am I to bear with you? Bring him to me. As a dad, I recognize that exacerbated tone. Oh, the toy is broken for the tenth time today. Bring it to me, you faithless generation. (laughs) I normally leave that part out. They bring the boy to Jesus, and the Spirit saw him and threw the boy back into convulsions. Just the sight of Jesus turns evil inside out. Jesus asks the dad how long this has been happening, and the father says, from childhood. It has often cast him into fire and into water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. And Jesus said to him, if you can, all things are possible for one who believes. So right after calling them a faithless generation, this father needs a second correction with clear direction for how this is going to be addressed. All things are possible for one who believes. Immediately, the father, cries out, the father of the child cried out and said, I believe, help my unbelief. Jesus casts out the demon and the boy laid on the ground like a corpse. Jesus took his hand and he arose. Later, the disciples asked him privately why they weren't able to cast the spirit out, and he said, this kind cannot be driven out by anything but prayer. So what do we take from that section of Mark? First, there are varying degrees of difficulty as it pertains to having faith. Earlier in Mark's gospel, we read about a woman who is healed by simply touching Jesus' robe. No words, just a touch of his clothing healed her. Here, we have a dad who's at his wit's end. His son has been mute and afflicted with seizures all his life, thrown into fire and water. He just wants his boy to be well, to have a normal life. Can you imagine he's heard the stories about these disciples performing these miracles, how high his hopes would have been just to have them fail and his boy continue to suffer? His disbelief isn't spiteful. He's begging for mercy. If you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. Once corrected, he immediately cries out, I believe, help my unbelief. How many of you have prayed those exact words? I've prayed them more times than I can count. The Father isn't the only person struggling with their faith. These disciples had been able to perform other miracles and plenty of other healings, but they failed this time. Jesus reminds them that they're still reliant on him and on the Father. This kind cannot be driven out by anything but prayer. Nothing you can do on your own will fix this. Again, we see belief coupled to action. Prayer. And prayer is faith turned toward God. Prayer may be our clearest illustration of faith indicating that even though we do believe and we do have faith, we're still reliant on him for our help. All this reading and studying about faith forces me to consider times when my faith is weak or particularly when I have doubts. Often we tend to think that you either have all faith or all doubt. 
You either believe or you don't believe. That has not been my experience. Mine's more like a sliding scale. But we're allowed to have doubts and have questions sometimes. These things don't mean disbelief. A doubt doesn't mean you don't believe. It's a doubt. Tim Keller, who I jokingly saw referred to as the Protestant Pope this week, <laughs> keeps popping up in my news feed with something relevant to what I've been reading. So this week, as, as we were working on this passage, he posted, Faith is the instrument by which you receive your salvation. It is not the cause of your salvation. So that's hard, because lots of us have heard over and over again that faith is what we are saved by faith, by faith alone. Right? Particularly those of us who came up from, from PCA traditions. I'll read it again. And this is Keller. Don't blame me. <laughs> faith is the instrument by which you receive your salvation. It is not the cause of your salvation. So I'd been texting with another renowned Bible scholar, Dr. Andrew White, <laughs> who helped me to clear this one up. He texted back, it is by grace, through faith, that we are saved. God's grace always happens first, and it is wide and deep like an ocean. Our response to that grace is faith, which on a good day may resemble a mustard seed. His grace always happens first and is bigger. Our faith comes in response to that, whatever we can muster. To summarize, our faith is rooted in reality as a response to our understanding of Scripture. We have a good reason to believe. In that belief, we feel affirmed, assured, and convinced that what we believe is true, even though we can't see it. By behaving in a way that is congruent with our beliefs, we are drawn near to Christ, and our experience in these moments are tangible samples of the glory of God's kingdom to come. Faith is belief in action that draws us nearer to God. And when we doubt or our faith is weak, we can simply say, I believe, forgive my unbelief, help my unbelief then you take a step in that direction. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.